Well, kia ora and welcome to a special report on transport and on the logistics and minutiae of the National Land Transport Fund and the National Land Transport Plan. These are the machinations of how government gets money spent on public transport, on road maintenance, on new state highway building, on converting roads to cycleways and pathways, building new cycleways and pathways, and it really is the guts of how our government is going to deal with reducing transport emissions in this quest to get to carbon zero by 2050. Today, Michael Wood, the Transport Minister, came out with the latest three-year National Land Transport Plan. This is something that the government works with NZTA, or Waka Kautahiaon, along with all the councils, to understand and plan the spending on road maintenance, road building, safety barriers, new railways, and also how public transport, in particular buses and trains, are going to be paid for. Now, the, the general theory is that the NZTA and the government collects money from road user charges, particularly for those driving diesel double cab utes and cars and trucks, and also petrol levies. It's about 70 cents per litre at the moment. And the general idea was that this money would go into a what they call a hypothecated fund. It's dedicated for road repair and road building and public transport, although that public transport emphasis has really only started to build in the last few years. For a long time, this was really all about roads, building new roads, repairing roads, and not just state highways, but also local roads, because NZTA and the councils have effectively a partnership where they each contribute 50% to build and maintain local roads. Now, the reason this is all very important and interesting if we're thinking about New Zealand and climate change is that at the moment, this three-year spending plan is worth over $23 billion over that three years. And it includes maintenance, it includes subsidies for buses and trains, and it includes new state highway building. So the decisions made by the government here will tell you a lot about what they really want to achieve in reducing carbon emissions. So when the government says this is a climate emergency, you'd expect some things to be changing in the way that it decides how to spend money on roads, on railways, and on buses, and cycling, and walking. My overall view is, increasingly, that to achieve any sort of meaningful carbon emissions reductions quickly, and for relatively low cost, the best way to do it is to encourage as many people as possible to commute, um, to work, play in school via walking and cycling if they live in a, in a city or even in a small town, and to convert as many people as possible who can't do the walking and the cycling to buses and trains, and to pay for it in part through congestion charges for those who want or need to use a car, and then to make sure that those people who are forced out of their cars, if you like, and into buses and trains or walking and cycling, effectively subsidised, and that there is a just transition. So uh, it's always worth looking at what the government's actually doing to see that whether it's backing up its rhetoric about a just transition and about a climate emergency. So I dialed into a Zoom call that the minister... Wood and the chair of Waka Kota, he's Sir Brian Roach, uh, held this morning 
to ask about the money that was spent, um, why it was being spent and uh, what's happening. The headlines uh, today are that the government is going to lend Waka Kohatahi $2 billion over the next three years to top up the amount of money that's needed to invest mostly in new public transport spending, but also in some state highway spending. And uh, also there was some extra news on a review of the funding model for NZTA. So obviously everyone's concerned that as we shift from petrol and diesel vehicles to electric vehicles, then you don't collect as much money from fuel levies and from road user charges. And therefore, you don't have money to maintain your roads or pay for your public transport. And also, ultimately, if you want to move to a public transport-dominated system with most people doing most of their travelling with walking and cycling and buses, then you need to use your public funding system to bring that about. At the moment, the public funding system is really all about maintaining roads and building new ones. It's not about subsidising public transport or building infrastructure, although that is a rapidly rising part of the budget. I wanted to ask Michael Wood about what the National Land Transport Plan was about in terms of shifting that balance away from roading to public transport, cycling and walking. Um, interested in the the two billion dollars in the debt program announced how does how is that different from the past and why only two two billion uh thank you bernard i'll make a few comments and then uh, perhaps pass over to sir brian so the government has recognized the need for additional investment into the transport system there are a range of pressures which lead us to that view we know that there are increasingly calls from local government and needs that come from our own GPS that require us to invest across a wider range of transport options than have been has been the case in the past. So again, I point to things like the fact that in this in this NLTP, there's five billion dollars of investment going into public transport, a 50% increase on the previous one. We're also facing increased costs. We're facing the challenges of the climate transition. And of course, we've got that significant issue of maintaining the existing assets, which were flatlined for many years under the previous government. So the government has recognised the need for additional investment, and that's where the, the $2 billion comes in. There will be a detailed financing arrangement, which will be structured and agreed between the Crown and Waka Kotahi. That will be finalised a little bit later on this year, and the loan will be repaid over a 10-year period. But look, from my point of view, the investment uh, that's going in here is appropriate. The total uh, land transport investment that is coming through in this NLTF is at record levels in excess of what has been invested at any time in the past. There is always more to do uh, in the land transport system, but we do have to make rational choices uh, about what we can actually deliver as well. It is one thing to say that more money could go in, but there are also constraints in terms of what we can actually deliver given the capacity that is within the system. And it's certainly my view that the program that we've got in place here, Bernard, is an extremely ambitious one across all modes. It'll meet a range of objectives, but also I have to have confidence that it is deliverable. I'll pass over now to Sir Brian. Uh, thank you, Minister. Yes, look, we, we feel that $2 billion is more than adequate uh, to meet the immediate issues. The concept of debt financing, as I said, is, is something that we think is really positive, and it's been an idea that has been around for the best part of a decade, the idea of being able to get some form of intergenerational equity through debt instruments over 10 years has considerable merit from a public policy perspective. So yeah, look, we're very comfortable with it. There is an issue of capacity within the industry that we do have to be mindful of. So 2 billion is a very good balance between all those competing issues. 
Bernard, the one other thing that I will say is that the government does continue to consider a range of other investments. You'll be aware that later this year, the government will receive formal advice on the path forward for Auckland Light Rail. Um, the work is proceeding in terms of mass transit options for Let, Let's Get Wellington moving. And in both cases, the government has made in principle commitments to support those projects. The Minister of Finance has also signalled that budget 2022 will be a budget that will be significantly focused um, on the challenge of climate change. And certainly you will see coming through in the uh, draft emissions reduction plan there is going to be an ongoing need for investment in transport infrastructure to support uh, that transition. So I wouldn't rule out that there uh, will necessarily be further investment that comes uh, into the system over the next year as well. So just to check, this NLTP doesn't necessarily reflect the government's plans for taking a contribution to Glasgow or its overall emissions reduction plan? But by definition, the emissions reduction plan hasn't been finalised and indeed that the draft emissions reduction plan hasn't gone out for consultation yet and it is my expectation that once that process is complete that there will be further initiatives that we consider as a government and that certainly as a minister I'll be taking forward for discussions with my colleagues but I would really emphasise that within this GPS we see the reflect uh, this NLTP we see the reflection of the previous GPS which identifies climate change as a priority. And we do see an ongoing and significant shift into public transport, into walking and cycling, those forms of transport that do support our climate transition. And it was at this point in the conversation that Thomas Coughlin from Stuff, a colleague from my time at Newsroom and someone who's been involved in a few hoons on the kaka, got involved to ask a question about the funding review. And in particular, he got a response from Sir Brian Roche, the chair of NZTA. The work has been undertaken by the Ministry of Transport over a number of years. What we have done through this package is actually accelerate that work. We believe, from Waka Kotahi's perspective, that the trends were all going one way and we needed to proactively address that. And that's what this program is going to allow us to do. So over the course of the next year, Treasury, MOT and ourselves will be providing advice to ministers. Ultimately, these are decisions for the government. But we believe that in the interest of informed decision making, the more robust that work can be and more uh, innovative and lateral, the better. Thomas, I'd say a couple of things on this. First is that the existing funding system has worked really well for New Zealand for the last 20 years or so. Funding through Fed and RUC has provided a good steady flow uh, of income to do the basics within the land transport system. But increasingly, we see a range of other needs and expectations from the public, from our local government partners. And I think probably what you can see through this NLTP and the, the, the need for the government to inject further funding in is that in the long run, we are going to have to consider um, what the best, best mix of funding, both in terms of quantum and both in terms of source of funding, will be for the system. So it's just a timely point for us to do that work. I have instructed officials from the Ministry of Transport not only to begin that work, I made that instruction earlier this year, but to work really hard to bring that work forward as much as possible. It is a very significant piece of work. So we are talking about something that will take you know, a number of years to work through very carefully rather than a few months. And we will be starting consultation engagement with stakeholders and the public uh, next year around firming up what the principle should be for how we do fund the land transport system into the future. Why isn't more being spent on public transport, cycling and walking if you're looking to reduce carbon emissions? The amounts that are invested into public transport, walking and cycling are massively increased. So public transport, again, I'll just give those figures, 
in this NLTP a 50% increase over the previous NLTP and a 150% increase over the one before that. In walking and cycling, it's even more stark, a 99% increase in this NLTP, so basically doubled. And compared to the 15 to 18 NLTP of the previous government, it's a 260% increase in that activity class into walking and cycling. And that doesn't account for other investments that the government's making. And as I indicated before, through the course of the ERP, where we know that there is a significant need for us to be investing in mode shift initiatives into PT, walking and cycling, we'll be considering further investments. Just checking on the the amount spent, does that include any spending on new motorways or big new highways, or is it all for maintenance and safety? Most of the roading projects, roading improvement projects, around 90% were already committed projects. So... There are projects that were already underway and we're already committed. So we're just continuing to fund those through this NLTP. There is some roading improvements, some additional roading improvements, Mount Messenger and things like that, but it's not significant. Minister, the funding review, which looks like it's going to go on into next year and be opened up for consultation, could you give us some idea on the principles or the terms of reference you've set out for it? And in particular, is there any overall thoughts on whether it should be funded only or only from fuel levies and congestion charges or whether the government needs to do more of this this capital loan top. Bernard, we're at a very early stage of this process. I don't want to get ahead of myself. One of the things that we will do at an early stage is consult and engage on what the core principles should be. So this will be a, a ground-up process. This isn't just about... Um, perhaps making some small changes or adaptations to the existing system. We'll be asking the foundational questions about how we should be funding the system, what its purpose should be, how you address equity issues through the, through sources of funding. And those will be the kind of things that we do, we do address through at the early stages of the process before we then move on to the specific solution. So I don't particularly want to predetermine we will go to there. But there are, are some obvious questions that we'll be asking questions around equity, what sources of funding should be. It's currently, for the very greatest part, from uh, Fed and RUC. Should we be considering other sources of funding alongside that? Clearly, there are questions around what we do as the fleet moves towards an electrified model and how that might potentially change the way in which we need to collect revenue. Clearly, there are questions to ask in terms of what is the best way of collecting revenue in a way that incentivizes the behaviour that we want in terms of our climate transition Clearly, there are questions around the significant investment that we are going to have to put into public transport, mass rapid transit systems and other climate friendly initiatives if we want to meet our um, obligations as per the direction set out by the Climate Commission. So I think we're at the stage of identifying clearly what the questions, the policy problems are to solve. And then we'll move on to those issues about what the, what the principles and the possible sources of funding should be. But we're not going to see a result of that review before you have to make decisions about the emissions reduction plan. Would the government look to use this loan facility? So how are you going to manage in that interregnum? Is there the potential to do more of the, the loans to help deal with ERP changes? Look, Bernard, we'll have to consider that as we work through the ERP process. What I am clearly signalling today, and I don't think this will be a surprise to anyone, is that it's very likely as a result of that ERP process that there will need to be additional investment if we want to meet our goals of decarbonising the system. Some of that has already been signalled by the Commission and its advice 
some of it has already uh, have been signalled in Hikina Te Kohupara and the white paper put out by MOT earlier this year. So we know that there will need to be additional investment. We have now set the NLTP for the next three years and it's pretty fully allocated right up to the brim. So that means that the government will need to consider the best way of meeting any additional calls on investment. And that's something that we will have to work out, including through consideration during normal budget processes. So there we have it, the discussion about the National Land Transport Fund. What I took away from that is that the government has yet to really respond in a major way to the challenge of increasing its contributions to the UN Climate Change Conference in Glasgow and also coming up with a much more aggressive plan to reach the carbon zero target set for it under the Climate Change Act. Also, just a quarter of the spending of the $23 billion is on public transport, cycling and walking. In fact, when you look at buses and trains and cycling and walking, how much is spent over the three years, the state highway new building is going to be twice that amount. So effectively, the government is spending more than twice the amount of money on building new roads than it is on helping... Uh, to expand buses, railways, cycling and walking. And as you can see in a chart that's included in the text version of this, the proposals from councils to spend on public transport, on cycling and walking were way bigger than the eventually agreed amounts and obviously significantly smaller than the amounts spent on roads. What we have here is a cultural shift that needs to happen and is going on probably a lot slower than many of the those who want to see significant climate change action would like. NZTA has effectively been the Ministry for Roads for decades. It is running off a funding system designed to funnel money from fuel levies into road maintenance and road building. It's not set up for buses and trains and cycling and walking. And even though we're into the fourth or fifth year of the Labour government in partnership with the Greens, NZTA hasn't really made those big changes yet. The government's going to have to force it to make those changes. And as you can hear from the answers from Michael Wood, the government is looking to invest more than the currently current uh, settings, the $23 billion or so over the next three years, and in particular shift towards more infrastructure and spending that reduces carbon emissions. How much and what type? We don't know yet. That's why we're all looking forward to the emissions reduction plan proposal that's going to come out of government fairly shortly because remember the government has to take with it to Glasgow or at least send its emissions reduction plan and its contributions for the UN Climate Change Conference. Remember that a few weeks ago we had the the, the red alert alarm report from the International uh, Panel for Climate Change uh, Research, which essentially said we've already pumped enough carbon into the atmosphere to warm the planet by one and a half degrees, and we have to move much more urgently to reduce emissions to carbon zero by 2050. And that means that a lot of governments are going to have to come up with more contributions to ensure that we get to that carbon zero by 2050. And New Zealand will have to pull its weight because unlike the the broad idea that New Zealand's emissions are so tiny it doesn't matter what we do and also they're effectively larger than 
they would normally be because we have so many cows and sheep and they produce a lot of uh, methane and agriculture produces a lot of extra carbon and we export food to the world and therefore we are effectively being punished for doing lots of uh, farming on our land. That's nice to say, but when you're exporting beef and lamb and butter and logs and a whole bunch of things into the Northern Hemisphere, to Europe, to Britain, to China, to America, then you better be sure that you're doing all the right things on climate change. Otherwise, the governments there will look to stop taking your exports or increase the um, levies on those exports if they decide that you're a climate laggard because the European Union is already planning to do that. Britain is also planning to do that. America has talked about these um, extra climate taxes on imports from laggards. And even Australia is now starting to understand they're going to have to get with the program. And you might have heard the last couple of days that Rupert Murdoch's News Corporation in Australia has finally made the decision to start campaigning for carbon zero by 2050. So when even Rupert Murdoch is starting to get with the program, something's going on. And that's this is where we, this year, and in fact the next few weeks, is when we're going to see the rubber hit the road for the government's climate change emergency claim, which from my point of view it has yet to back up with real action for example on the day that the prime minister announced that was a climate change emergency the police announced they were replacing their fleet of um, thousands of cars with thousands of cars with petrol and diesel engines and as you can see from this national land transport plan the government's still spending twice as much on building new highways as it is on uh, reducing emissions through public transport, cycling and walking. And as uh, you will have seen and heard from uh, podcasts I've done and, and various other things that are around, the political landscape for these sorts of actions is very tough. For example, a reconfiguring of some roads in on a hangar back in March to trial this business of shifting from roads to cycling and walking received a massive backlash from the local community and was abandoned by May. And you've all seen the groundswell protests um, against the ute tax, which is the clean car rebate scheme, rebate scheme that increases the cost of importing a new a double cab ute and uh, uses that money in a fiscally neutral way to reduce the cost of an electric powered vehicle. And those sorts of hot-button issues are hot for the government, and so far they haven't chosen to take real action that would push those buttons. We'll see whether they will in the next few months. I have to say I'm not particularly hopeful. As you heard there from the Minister, it's very easy for the government to say, look how much extra money we're spending on public transport, which is true. But uh, when you put it into the grand scheme of things, for example, the current Auckland 10-year transport plan effectively reduces its emissions by 3%. And when I asked a question in this press conference on Zoom about how much this plan reduces carbon emissions, there were no answers. An interesting piece of the machinery of government for you. I hope you uh, enjoyed it. It may be useful if you need to get to sleep tonight. But actually, if you're into actual climate change policy and debate and what we're actually doing on the ground to reduce emissions, these things actually matter. And I'm sure that there are a lot of people in government who, particularly Labour government and with its Green partners, who would like to do lots of uh, interesting things, but are restrained by the politics of it and by the current national leader's determination to push those buttons, the, the woke politicians and their um, green ideologies a button. And it's, so far it's working. 
as you've seen with the groundswell protests. And at a local level, it's very hard for people to make changes. If you're stretched to the max, going to three different jobs, taking your kids to school in a beaten up old Japanese used import and suddenly someone puts a big barrier down the road that saves you 15 minutes on their commute, then you're probably going to be grumpy. And one of the risks here is that in various measures to try and reduce our emissions, we effectively punish the poor by making it very expensive for them to continue to have their lifestyles with energy inefficient, dangerous, mouldy, cold houses in the suburbs, multiple hours of commute times in dangerous and carbon-emitting cars. What's actually needed is a re-engineering of cities so that people have a new, energy-efficient, medium-density housing close to where they work, live and play, and a lot more public transport, cycling and pedestrian options for people to choose. At the moment, we're nowhere near that, and it will be interesting to see whether there is more movement along those lines in the next few months, because that's what need, that's what's needed if we're going to meet our climate change commitments and also actually achieve carbon zero by 2050. I'm Bernard Hickey. That is another, a special report of his scratch at the National Land Transport Plan, as put out by Michael Wood today, Tuesday the 7th of September. Ka kite anō.